0: Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm Tia Hitzel, and today on the program, I'm so pleased to have Steve Hughes sitting here in the studio with me. Steve, welcome to Living Writers. Thank you, T. <laughs> it's good to see you. All the way from Detroit. All the way. All the way. <laughs> um, and we're on the table before us. Um, it's 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 quite exciting. We've got copies of Stupor, A Treasury of True Stories, um, that... that just out this year, and also um, hot off the press, soon to be 2,000 copies of your latest zine, Stupor. That's right, yeah. So we've got a book artifact and, a, and the actual zine artifact here.
1: That's right, yeah. This is, in a, this is just a one-off right here. It's not quite ready for, for press yet. but And,
0: and that, is that the one that Matthew Barney set back That's sent right. to you?
1: Yeah, this is Matthew Barney's issue here. He designed this one.
0: Well, the collaborative issue. That's right. They all your words. That's right.
1: Yeah, we collaborated <laughs> on it together.
0: <laughs> well, before we go any further, Steve, I'm going to read the the blurb on the back of, of Stupor the book, which is, as you point out, within the book itself, a, a really great shape, uh, a long, um, uh, a long uh, square, well, rectangle. Geez, geometry.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> it's specially shaped to fit on the back of your toilet.
0: It's. It seems really great. Do you, maybe not on, yeah, because on the bookshelf, you'd have to have the specially made bookshelf. So it could Well, it's stand,
1: about 11 inches tall. So, so maybe, you know, maybe it I just, fit on most bookshelves, but
0: <laughs> like a it'll, certainly,
1: it'll certainly fit on your toilet tank.
0: Right, right. So good to know for that. And here we go. Reading the back here. For the last 16 years, Steve Hughes has been listening to people he meets in bars, diners, hardware stores, and job sites talk about their lives. He writes and then publishes the stories they inspire in his zine, Stupor. Their stories of infidelity, drunkenness, disappointment, and sometimes dumb luck are told like they're being spoken from the bar stool next to you. As raw as they are real, Stupor, A Treasury of True Stories, is a collection of 14 issues designed by top artists in a unique collaboration that depicts a place and its people like no other publication of its era. And then the second half of the back cover, um, that's. do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, sure, yeah, the to, second
1: half is a, um, it's another book cover from another book that I appropriated. <laughs> and it's, um, actually I didn't appropriate it, but when I was putting the book together, I asked Matthew Barney, because um, I, was, I was working on a project with him at the time, a film project in Detroit, and so I'd, I'd asked him if he'd be available maybe to do a blurb for me for, the, for my book because I was trying to collect blurbs at the time. And he ended up doing a, a full graphic for the back cover that, yeah, appropriates another book cover. And it's like a, um, I guess, probably from a mystery <laughs> novel of some sort or a suspense, some sort of thriller thing. The and, President
0: of the United States absolute corruption absolute danger
1: that's right absolute power yeah and so yeah then matthew barney crosses out stuff and writes <laughs> over stuff and at the what it comes down to is that what he says that stupor cuts the grass and so and that's actually kind of what i did for matthew barney was cut the grass <laughs> in some ways <laughs>
0: Is this one of those wink-wink I don't know.
1: I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, it actually <laughs> says right here, you know, like, part of what he crossed off was first rate. Hughes cuts everyone's grasp. And so, you know, like, he crossed off whatever that says. Balladacci.
0: Oh, that must... Uh, that's whoever... That's the writer of the Absolute that's, Corruption that's book. That's
1: whoever got appropriated here. <laughs>
0: right.
1: And so... Thanks
0: to you. A shout-out. A quick shout-out. A quick shout-out to
1: that <laughs> folk person there, whoever that is. Thank you for not coming after me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yes. No. And then um, some, like ex- like in the news, exciting is you just launched um, your Kickstarter project last night.
1: That's right. Yeah, I was trying to get everything ready to launch it yesterday, and I actually pulled it off. So uh, um, yeah, I've got this new issue coming out, and it is with Matthew Barney doing all of the the artwork for it and it's uh, it's a 16 page issue it's got some crazy graphics <laughs> we're trying to work out how that's going to go <laughs> cuz i'm not really sure like that this particular graphic that he has in the back cover can really remain on the back cover here. I'm thinking...
0: This is one of those times it's probably better that we don't have the webcam installed yet for the, the studio. But, I could um, describe
1: it, but I don't think even that would be appropriate. Well,
0: maybe you can even describe the, the front cover because if you go to kickstarter.com, um, how would people find your exact page on that?
1: That's a good question. Because
0: you'll see that image, the front cover image, as yeah. soon as you go there and then a video of you.
1: That's right. Yeah, well... I don't exactly know how the hell you would find it on Kickstarter, but I do know how you could find it through Facebook, because I have, um, there's a Stupor page on Facebook, and so if you go to that Stuper page, then at the top of that I've got the uh, the Kickstarter project listed. But, like, how do you, I think you, I mean, like, they just gave me a link to the Kickstarter project, so I'm just sending links out to people. But, um, you know, maybe if you can go on and search for Stupor... Uh, Matthew Barney, uh, you know, you might find it that way, but I would encourage you to log on to f- your Facebook account and become and like Stuper. If you like Stuper, then then you'll see it on the, um, at the top of my page there.
0: And also maybe Stuperzine.com.
1: Stuperzine.com, that's right. Yeah, I don't have it listed there because I'm not in full, complete control of my website. I'm in sort of somewhat control of it. You know, like I like set it up with a friend and i don't really know how to work websites and my friends kind of okay at it but at the same (laughs) time it's like i've got my contact information out there and um you know so like if somebody's looking to find out about stupor they can but but also you know it's it's one of those things where i really need to make a new website <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> one day yes no you know? i
0: i i understand that i'm still struggling to make the whole living writers uh, website site and it's, have it's had real help and yeah it's, it's a lot yes. of work <laughs> but so but then this kickstarter is actually um it, there's a time frame to it right there's 32 yeah. days left and what it's um the world's largest funding platform for art- artists is that the idea
1: it's a pretty Steve? sweet funding platform. It's a crowdsource funding platform. You know what that is? Or It's like I can say, T, will you give me $6 for my project? And you could say yes. And then maybe um, 20, 30, 100 people will give me $6 for my project. But anybody, anywhere with a credit card can pretty much um, help fund my project. And if the project is funded fully, like I need all the money for the project, then I get the money.
0: And that this project is to print these it's, limited edition zines, the 2,000 print run. That's right. With Matthew Barney and yeah. you, that get your collaboration. Yeah. So it's just be-
1: 2,200 is all I'm after oh, okay. for this. And so if I get 2,200, then I get to, um, I get the money, and I'll, I'm either way. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm running the, I'm running it. You know, I'm running the print. I'm gonna do it. You know, and uh, so, but I'd really love the funding if I can get it because, of course, if it's coming out of my pocket, it's going to hurt a lot more than if it's just, you know.
0: Or maybe it won't be full color if it's coming. Yeah. Uh, I'll in do the- full
1: color. It's part of the deal. <laughs> Look, I'm trying
0: to get you no. to encourage people to fund it. Well,
1: so- <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Basically,
0: well, whether you give or not, folks, this is going happen. forward.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, like, when you fund the project, then you get, like you know like there's different reward levels so for like six dollars i mail a copy of the of the zine to your house you know the stupor washed in dirt comes to your house if you give 12 bucks you get stupor washed in dirt plus two more full color issues if you give 25 bucks you get the book plus those other issues 60 bucks you get a t-shirt of the book and the other issues so it's like and you know everything that you that you donate basically or to the to the Campaign you're getting Something in you know Equal value in return basically You're
0: you're almost like part of the collaboration Because it's like part of the community Like you and Matthew obviously Have made the artifact but you're The people are funding it like to Get it it is part of of the community Yeah uh, you know in the world sort of
1: Yeah I mean like I've always thought of Stupor is like a a community effort I mean it really is like All the people that, that I listen to Telling their stories. You know, they're part of it. Of course, they don't know they're part of it. But, and then the probably the biggest um, part of the community of Stupor are the artists that work for me are doing the layouts on the zines. So,
0: and that's um, relatively a recent component, right? The last few years, Steve? Yeah,
1: last four years. I've been, or maybe five now, but yeah.
0: Time passes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but they're they've been a huge part of it and then of course I got my readers too, so you know, they're another part of the community. So there's yeah.
0: And you started link, in nineteen ninety five ish in New Orleans?
1: Ninety five, yeah.
0: Okay. Well you know what we'll take a short break, Steve, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more. All right. Maybe about those stupors early years. All right. Maybe. And um, and let's see, you're listening to Living Writers. Today on the program, Steve Hughes, his, his book, Stuper, A Treasury of True Stories. We'll be right back. Uh, set one, two, eight. You've got living writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Steve Hughes is here. His book, Stupor, A Treasury of True Stories. And thanks to, to Liz, the Liz, for engineering. Um this afternoon, this rainy afternoon. And um, Steve, it's kind of funny too, because I feel like at least in the rhythm of things around Ann Arbor, <laughs> many of us are sort of walking around in a state of stupor at the moment, so it couldn't be more of an appropriate um landing point for you to come here with this this collection of your zines and um
1: yeah. Everybody is probably <laughs> really in need of a beer. That's my guess. What
0: do you think? <laughs> yeah. exactly (laughs) well maybe i don't know if i should be saying that right now we'll have to well let's go back to talking about stupor's beginnings its origins and uh and maybe even because i love how you say that you're you're sitting at the bar you know at the bar stool and and talking with people and listening to their stories right um and then do they do you ever talk to them about like your work as a writer or is it really that you're listening and then because you mentioned in the just before we took a break well they don't know, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah no and, they don't know uh, yeah if they knew I was there listening to their stories and collecting them they probably wouldn't tell me anything at least anything any good.
0: Although on your, your, web sti- your, your, your website for Stuporzine, yeah. um, you actually have a tell me tab and you advise having a beer and typing it out and sending it to you. It's true. As long as you don't mind it being stolen then. Have,
1: have you done that yet?
0: <laughs> no, not yet. You haven't done listeners it? Listeners okay. could do it, right?
1: Listeners <laughs> yeah, could do that. The
0: story on page knows <laughs> definitely I see <laughs> similarities. No, but let's go way back in time to 95 you're in New Orleans you have a co-collaborator in the beginning
1: that's right yeah yeah um yeah he started it up when I was in grad school I was going to the University of New Orleans I was getting a writing degree there in fiction and I was kind of getting really really sick of being in a um you know I guess sort of like being told what a good story is you know and so then I, I uh, realized that there was this other opportunity for me to, like, basically do my own thing. And, you know, I didn't have to send out my writing to, like, some sort of, uh, you know, magazine or periodical that was publishing, you know, like, whatever review. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that so I could just reviews. do it myself. There's a lot of <laughs> reviews, yeah. I could do it myself, and then I could, and then, so I started down there. We started up, and we'd, we'd, we'd make them, and we'd distribute them on, like, cigarette machines throughout the city, just, like, put them at bars and coffee shops, and we'd just leave them there, and then we started getting a following, and, um, and people were into it, and so there, it, like, it, like, kind of grew and, and became alive, you know, for me that way. And uh, so, and,
0: I, and what was your like expectation then? Were you trying to just w- at first were you guys um, not kind of copying, pasting, and then going to Kinkos or yeah? We, were, to-
1: we did that for the first issue, and then the second one, like we got done with beer, we paid for <laughs> it with like maybe a couple of cases of beer, I think. And it was because a, a friend of ours got an offset press and he, like, decided he wanted to be a printer. Yeah. And so he got all the old school stuff, like a, um, an old camera to take that you would take pictures of old images, you know, like before there was a scanner. So it was like everything pre-digital. He got all that stuff. And so then we started working with him, and we worked with him on, like, three issues— and then, um, and, and the, those were all like free, you know, We just like put them out on cigarette machines and stuff everywhere. And then I left New Orleans. And so then everything changed and oh. I, I moved up to Detroit.
0: And that was your direct path. Was it, was it a yeah. homecoming back to Detroit or why Detroit?
1: really, no. I mean, I, I grew up in Ann Arbor actually, so I'm from right here. Yeah. My dad still lives here.
0: Ah. Oh. Yeah. And, so, and then, did you, did you leave here then to go to grad school in New Orleans? Or yeah, is well, it, I
1: kind of moved around before that. But oh, yeah, because yeah,
0: you lived in Brooklyn for a while. I'm trying to remember the pieces from no, that. No, I never bios. really
1: lived in Brooklyn. I it lived in Washington. said it somewhere.
0: Where is this? Or maybe oh, I mistook a maybe story. Maybe it was in a story. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, before I lived in New Orleans. Yeah.
0: Well, what brought you to Detroit then?
1: Detroit, you know, my wife brought me to Detroit. Yeah, she was going to school, she was going to grad school at Wayne State University for her MFA in, in painting. And so, yeah, she got a good deal there, and so that's why we went to Detroit. And then, uh, and actually we're not really in Detroit, we're in Hamtramck, which is a little city inside of Detroit.
0: Which is so curious, this whole idea of a little city inside a city, it's, it's like ancient Italy or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's a city in a city like highland park is too it's a city in a city except ham not quite as messed up as highland park
0: it seems like ham is a a haven now for writers artists there's a, a strong community there
1: there is a strong community there yeah and part of that has to do probably with like the art gallery scene there too you know there's a lot of art galleries and I don't know if I told you that I'm part of the public pool art gallery there. I, Did I tell you that? I
0: I read about that. I just saw that there was a a, a, buff, a buffet recently, and there's yeah. Undress Redress. Yeah, Undress
1: um, Redress is our current art show we got up there right now. It's all about clothing and artists that work with clothing as objects in their work. And um, then this weekend on Saturday, the 17th of December, we've got our closing party for that show and we're calling that 100 percent holy hell a night what is it a gust of holiday magic <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh and basically i like gust it's especially a, <laughs> it's a big gust yeah so we're having a um for that we're what are we doing we're we're having um, a musical event there there's going to be... Um, there's a, do
0: you mean a band or do you mean like a musical? No, there's
1: like, like three things that are happening that night. So we've got... in the, First, in the center of the room, we've got a large dress that is almost shaped like a teepee because it's so large. And it's made out of uh, hog intestines. So sausage casing. It's kind of <laughs> smelly. <laughs> yeah.
0: hey. But very
1: beautiful. You know, so it's like these Is it two- shellac? No. No, it's not at all. It's like the real deal. It's hog intestines, and they're all like stuck together with hog intestine goo. You know.
0: Is it dried? I mean, the goo implies that it's.
1: I mean, sticky. No, the goo dried. It's so. It's yeah. It's a little sticky and a little, a little smelly, but I mean, (laughs) it's actually it's actually kind of a sheer and beautiful material. You know, and so you, you can kind of see through it. There's going to be a performance. Inside of it, that the artist, the artist who did that piece is setting up inside of it, and then uh, there's going to be a, a guy doing like a noise performance either inside of it as well or around it that's somehow connected to it, and then we're doing ham sleigh rides, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of the artists who's in the show is decorating her car, and she's going to be <laughs> driving people around the block in her car. And so, with
0: jingle bells playing, or something, yeah, so. like some wool
1: blankets <laughs> in the back, or whatever. And
0: oh, is it a convertible? Uh, it's a
1: station wagon, you know. Oh. So she's gonna be popping the hatch, probably. <laughs> and and then, of course, we get a keg of beer from this place downtown called the Traffic Jam. They always hook us up with a keg of beer. And yeah, we have a great time in Hamtramck.
0: It sounds so, it does. Um, I think, um, Vivy Francis and yeah, was five Vi- has seemed- she been out
1: here on your show? Or?
0: Well, and she and she went to school here. too. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, I was just thinking of of them today, and so I saw them listed as part of that other that previous event. Right. But, but this event that you're talking about, we should mention, is coming up Saturday. Saturday. Okay. That's
1: right. Yeah, and there's no writing or reading going on at it. It's all just fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not that. Not to imply that writing and reading isn't fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> but maybe even like you want a break from that after getting through uh, finals and you yeah. just want to go there
1: but the art gallery has been great for me too is like when the when uh um so jessica for who's doing the hamtramck hay rides or, or i mean sleigh rides um she's uh she's an artist who's shown there last fall and now uh, she's in our sh- current show and she's also doing a stupor for me and our our last artist who had a solo show there was the um it's actually a couple the hygienic dress league who sort of like are poised as a company, but they're just sort of this—they're not really. I don't know exactly what they are, but they're—they're—they're they're, they're, anyway. They put up a bunch of pictures themselves, and so they're doing a stupor. And so I'm like how trying to out collaborate. Do you,
0: yeah, how far out do you have these planned, um, Steve? Because the book that we're, we have here on the table, "Stupor: A Treasury of True Stories," is there 14 pieces where you worked with 14 different artists. So how far out are they? Um, I don't know do you have a calendar of bookings with these different artists in there
1: i don't really have a calendar but like um (laughs) no i decide who i want to work with so like um right now i'm trying to work with liz cohen she's artist at cranbrook and she's uh she runs the photography department there and so i'm i'm um i'm gathering stories for her issue and so what that means is that um i'm trying to like first i try to figure out what she's doing with her work you know so she's her work is about uh, this Trabant that's uh, um, an East German automobile and she decided that she wanted to it, it's actually a really crappy automobile it's been like um kind, you know, yeah well it's from the like the design change there's been no design change since the 50s in this automobile so it's been like it's got a two stroke engine which if you know anything about engines is like that's pretty much equivalent to a lawnmower engine. <laughs> right. And so she she had this idea, because she was really into um into uh like like low riders and this low rider culture, that she wanted to buy this Trabant and chop it and drop it and turn it into this sweet lowrider and have it do all the stuff that low riders do, like bounce around and things, <laughs> so it has like these hydraulic jacks in it and and so she spent like Eight years of her life working on this thing. Yeah, and thousands of dollars. She ended up getting a Creative Capital grant to, to work on it. And um, I think that's what actually made it so that it was possible to finish it. And um, What's
0: a Creative Capital grant? Where, who does that come from?
1: That comes from Creative Capital, which is like a pretty big... Um, I don't know if, well, exactly what kind of group they are. I think they're... F- oh, actually, they're funded by the Andy Warhol Foundation, And so this, actually, I was going to apply for one this June, I think, is the deadline. And so I think there's something for writers as well. But it's so my my project is kind of like crosses over between the lines. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm a writer, but also I'm working with these artists and I'm doing all this other stuff, too. So, you know, I've got this weird project. So Creative Capital might be interested in funding it. And they give like $50,000 grants. So it's like a big grant.
0: Yeah, you know? and you're and you were just a fellow um, in 2010, was it? For yeah, like, I
1: got a Kresge Fellowship in 2010, which is pretty sweet.
0: And and you said that that made sort of the publication of the book possible as well.
1: Yeah, well, it did in many ways because they actually paid for it. So thank you.
0: <laughs> I yes. mean,
1: it was like what they didn't pay for it with that grant, but then like on top of the grant, there's all these other opportunities you get, and so they had this. Um, they they ask you for a proposal of some project you want to do. And so I threw out this idea that, you know, I wanted to, actually, I wanted to make a house. I was going to do this house. I was going to have a big art show in the house with all the artists who collaborated with me on Stupor, and I wanted $60,000 to do it. And they they laughed at me. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, I was trying to get work, too, for the winter, because I was, like, out of work and stuff, you know. And I'm like, do building work, so i was trying You're to like do i that. know
0: someone who can build it <laughs> yeah i do i know
1: somebody who can do that or renovate it yeah because you can get them for a dollar in detroit you know so yeah i was going to buy a, a 500 dollars house actually and, and renovate it and make it a stupor house so they said no to that and so then uh, i asked for i think they gave me what i don't know 10 grand for the book or something and so i had to do all the publication work for it you know i do all the design work all the all the other stuff. So mainly that was just sort of coordination because I have no idea how to do that stuff.
0: But that's why you were the one that, that published it too, Stuper House. That's right. So it's, the house made it in there somehow. That's, that's right. That's the Stupor publishing house. company.
1: Yeah, which is totally, I mean, it, it's totally sweet having this book. And like, I've been self-publishing for years doing Stupor, but at the same time, and now it's like, well, it's different when you self-publish well, yeah, a book.
0: What is it like to see it in this form? Well,
1: it's sweet. Yeah, I mean, I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's Got some girth, you know, it feels good in my hand. I like it. But it's just weird when you, like, if you self-publish a book, then now it's different than self-publishing a zine because now, like, now it's like, okay, I have this book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my friend wrote a book, too, about her dog, and she self-published it. And, you know, so now, now I've entered this different sort of culture. I'm not just like a, you know, a zine writer now to, to other people. I'm a guy who self-published a book. Which is a little different in a way you know what i mean
0: maybe, does that make sense maybe we'll talk about that after the break then it's because i think it does make sense well it's got layers of meaning it's right got
1: layers of meaning all the same it's been a great opportunity to have done it
0: and, and we're so glad that you're here today um, to talk about it too stupor a treasury of true stories um today in the studio steve hughes you've got living writers we'll take a short break and be back <laughs> What do you do? Put a kiss on the cheek. Hey, it's Take it from me What else could you do? Got Living Writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T Hetzel. and today uh, on the program, Steve Hughes is here. His book Stupor, a Treasury of True Stories. And Steve also was the the one who picked out the, the tunes for us today. So, Steve, a few words about the last little number we heard or any of the
1: Yeah, the last song there is by White Rabbits and I think I got it. I, actually, it doesn't matter how I got it, but I like that song because at the very beginning there's this cr- kind of weird laugh. <laughs> and um, it sounds exactly like my friend Tim, who has designed the book cover and who's been like my longtime stupor collaborator for like before I started just working with one artist. I just worked with Tim all the time. And he lived in New Orleans, and I'd go down and stay at his warehouse and we'd put Stupers together down there. and and hang out and drink beer and stuff. And so, yeah, so he's got a real kind of unique laugh. And, like, yeah, it's at the beginning of that song. It <laughs> always reminds me of Tim. <laughs> Plus, I like the song, too. I mean, I think it's a great song. It sort of stuck with me. I listen to it over and over again.
0: Yeah. And uh, and thanks to the Liz for, for finding them on the shelves of, yeah. of WCBN. Um, which, it, it was funny to see your surprise that we actually had, like, that the albums and the cds yeah i didn't know what to expect
1: i've been in here like i was in here maybe 20 years ago or something trying out to be a dj and yeah i i I think i did that and then i I never came back but i was surprised why i don't know i was living down on madison uh, across from the lumber yard yeah and i was like i wanted i I want to be a dj so yeah i came out and and did the, made a tape and stuff, and then just never followed up on it, so...
0: Oh, no, well, it's never too late. You're always <laughs> welcome, Steve. <laughs> okay, thanks. Right? Yeah, see, we've got some some nods. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so back to the zine world. All right. Okay. The zine world. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, when you were sending... Did you... When you had Stupor, were you also sending them out to different places? Because I feel like the guy... Michael Jackman, who wrote the introduction yeah. to Stuper, he talks about uh, you know being a, a reviewer for Zine World and um, and receiving yours in the mail. So were you actively? So you had New Orleans, and then you came to Detroit, and you were putting them out places. And yeah, a did you send them to people strategically, and b when did you start charging for them? Because when we were going through the foundation story. They were still free on cigarette machines. It's
1: true. That's right. As we left it. (laughs) Yeah. So I moved to uh, Hamtramck in 95. We did like four quick issues in New Orleans and then moved up here. And for issue number five, I realized that I was going to have to pay money for it. And so then I I think I still made that one free because I didn't pay much for it. And I was like, "Ah, it was only 170 bucks. To was run it a, that. a
0: leap in format? Because some of them it are large. And yeah, some... that,
1: that was like uh, 17 inches long by about I guess six, five and a half wide. So it was, le- it was 17, yeah, 11, whatever they you know, 11 <laughs> by 17, fold in long ways, and uh, yeah. So that one I paid for. Then the next one I paid for more, and it seemed to get more and more and more. By the time I was, I finally finished my last like big format issue. That I spent like a thousand bucks on. A thousand copies of it yeah so it's like a buck an issue so i started selling them i was selling them for two bucks a piece
0: and so how do you how do you do that when you're because um, it's not just from the website because that's more of just a way to get some information about it yeah um so w- what was that like you would go to the the cafes the bars and um no
1: i, or, I was selling or them through the tower or? tower oh. records oh okay. back in the day they did uh, like an international distribution of stupor uh, yeah, it was like people in like Shanghai or wherever, you know, Hong Kong, could get them. And, and so it was cool. I'd get like, well, actually, I'd get them back. You know, whatever didn't sell would come back with the price tags on it with different like funny like oh. sign on it for somebody's currency somewhere around the world. And, uh, you know, but it was it was Tower was great until Tower died. Mm. And but, you know, everything with Zine sort of collapsed uh, I would say probably in the early, you know, part of the new decade, you know, or the new millennium. Because
0: of the the advent of the blogs, or what are? I think it was the advent thinking? of the
1: blogs, and it was the end of Fact Sheet Five, which was this really important, um, m- like magazine for zine writers to like, it like, it was like a it made a community of zine writers. It like. It like sh- it would give a little review of everybody's zine and it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd like send mine in, they review mine, and then all these other folks who were doing zines would like either send me one for free and say, Would you send me one of yours? and I would. And then we made these connections that from way from all over
0: the states and even wow. internationally, too.
1: Yeah, mostly yeah. in the states, though. So there was one artist who's actually in this book here, uh, her name's Lisa Ann Arbach, and she's, she's gotten To be pretty well known as an artist she knits and anyway i don't know if you saw it in here but it's like a knitted cover of stupor Mm -hmm. it's right there
0: yes
1: (laughs) so it's like it's almost like a banner she knitted and it's got the the logo stupor on it but i met her through the mail that way she used to do a a zine called uh, snowflake and then she did american homebody and um she she worked with uh this guy dennis no not dennis it was benjamin wiseman who's a writer uh she used to work with him and and um like all these other great writers wrote for her zine so and like amy uh, god i can't remember some poet maybe i can't remember now but anyway uh so i'm still in contact with her and she's actually in our art show right now at the gallery and yeah she was like she did a stupor here and then she connected me with Liz Cohen up at at Cranbrook, and then I got to go up there and do reading, and actually we went to the bar and did a reading, which was really great. The Cranbrookies came down to uh, Hamtramck and went to the Painted Lady down, down there, and uh, yeah, I read stupor to them, and we drank a lot of beer. It was fun.
0: Uh, there's a theme here, Steve.
1: There is. Yeah, did you notice on the cover here? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever check that picture out? It's like
0: yeah, the toucan pant. The-
1: it's a, really, it's a six pack.
0: Oh, is oh right because yeah. it's behind him too. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the cover of the book has a picture by my friend Tim Haley, who I was who's was laughing at the beginning of that last song, and it's uh, um, it's this man jumping, a super friendly man jumping out of a six pack of beer, and it's so we've always thought it's like this friendly or this happy feeling you get before you crack that first beer,
0: or maybe the third. <laughs>
1: Maybe so. But no, it's just this super happy. You're so yeah. happy to see the six pack of beer. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's true. So. The all before part of it. Yeah. Um, so, have you? did you ever hear um, of Zap, the Zine Archive project that was located in Seattle? Because they were trying to. Um, amass scenes from... And so there's this large archive. I don't, I don't know if... I don't know if I have heard of them. I might nothing. even
1: be in there and not even know, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a bunch of those out there, and and I have sent stuff to some of them, and then I've just forgotten, too, that I've sent them there, and, and i don't keep super good records because I don't really care.
0: But it's... So you say... <laughs> yeah. You say, <laughs> it's about the next stupor. What's That's right. Happen? It is. The next story. Um, but the... So, what does it feel like then to be working? in because you said that Zines sort of had hit this point, this um sort of
1: yeah, they they kind of well, everybody kind of seemed quit writing them for a while. And maybe I'm wrong about it, but it seemed like as soon as like uh, the end of the '90s hit, sort of was like this end of the Zines for a while. And um, then maybe, and it was certainly the end of the Zines for me for a while. I took about five years off, and then I started back up again. But I had like kids and we had family stuff going on, so it was just you know, there was like it was a good time for me to take five years off, and then um, some friends of mine got me back into it. My friends who are out in um, Ypsilanti that do the uh, that did the Krampus uh, festival this year. Do you know about that? It's Krampus Christmas festival, <laughs> and they do the shadow art fair. So I started getting back into it, doing it, um, showing up at the shadow art fair, and and so I'd like make a zine for that. And my friend Lynette taught out at Eastern Michigan; uh, she taught a zine class out there.
0: And as are you?
1: That's right. Yeah, I'm going to teach a zine class out out uh, at Eastern this spring. So, so does that
0: mean, like, actually walk? Like, people will have it in a in their hand. Um, uh, they'll they'll have in their hand a zine once they finish your class that they've made, they've created.
1: Yeah, that's my idea is that they're going to making they're going to be making zines, and I was kind of thinking about it. You know, it's like. This is the first time I've taught a class, but it's really a creative writing class. And the end format is, or the end result is, yeah, they have to have zines. You know, they have to have produced zines. So, basically, they're going to be, I want them to do whatever they're most comfortable with, but I want them to publish it and print it and distribute it, you know? So, you know, that's that, like, changes your audience. You know, when you start doing that stuff, then it's like, oh, you're going to, like, think about who you're writing to? You know, who are you writing to? Then you know, your friends. Or Are you going to be giving it to like people, strangers? You know, and what are they going to think about you? You know, think you're a freak, or is that okay? Well, maybe it is. You know, so.
0: Well, what do you think about blogs then?
1: Um, yeah, they got a place in the world for sure. You know, I don't. Um,
0: is it something you you would want your voice out there in that way? Or sure,
1: I mean, I I don't blog, but. If I had, like, um, a better website, I guess I think of, like, Facebook as sort of my blog outlet in a way, you know. It's like, if I have something to say, you know, I can do a two-liner on Facebook or whatever and post a picture and I'm done, you know. But I don't have, like, a blog site set up or anything. and, And through my, with my website, you know, I kind of was thinking about doing a blog stuff, but it was just really to promote, like, what's my next event, you know, that kind of thing. And so cuz I want that to be accessible and right now it's like really difficult for me to like post the next event on my on my email, you know, or not my email but my yeah, my webpage.
0: On the webpage. Yeah. Could we hear um the, yeah. the, the, the piece Which maybe want. maybe the the short piece and then we'll take a short break and come back and hear the longer a All longer right. one if that sounds good. That Steve. sounds
1: fabulous. Okay. So this piece here, it comes from uh, an issue that was designed by an artist, Faina Lerman, who lives in Hamtramck and also runs art gallery out there called Pops Packing. And um, so all the stories in Stupor are anonymous, I uh, only give the, the sex of the teller and the, the, the place where the story is set at the beginning of the story. So this one is told by a male, and it has an incredibly specific setting like no other stupor story it is at 305 south dewey avenue Lima, ohio near memorial hospital where i was born not me but the teller cookie was this girl she was one of two kids who lived next door her real name was barbara larry was the other kid he always said what you doing even to my dad and he called my dad by his first name russ he was a year younger than me those were good days My mom told me I was going to live forever because of the advances in medical science. We talked a lot about how we were going to live because that was right around the time that Nick died. He got hit by a train. He was delivering linens, like towels and napkins and stuff like that. He was delivering them to the White Dove Tavern, or, well, maybe he was just leaving the White Dove Tavern. But it had something to do with dropping off linens and something to do with drinking, but everything to do with dying. I was five then, and I went to the funeral home. It was the first time I saw a dead guy. He didn't look the same, that's for sure. And then there's this other guy. His name is Ori Odell. Sounds like Ori Odell, like a cookie, which makes me think of Cookie, who lived next door. Only this dude, Ori, he was driving the coal truck, and he misjudged the train, and the train smashed into his truck so good that it pushed it a whole city block before it finally stopped. It got pushed all the way to where our school was, and that's how I knew it happened. We were out at recess. We heard the sound of the train screeching and crunching and saw sparks as it pushed the truck, and we all stopped climbing and playing and and stared. It sounded really, really horrible, and it just kept going and going and going for minutes, it seemed. So, That's the way it was. The train killed Oreo Odell too. Then we didn't have coal for a couple of days after that. Those were very cold days.
0: Thank you, Steve. Yes. Thank you. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back. Um, You're listening to Living Writers Today on the program. Steve Hughes, his book, Stupor, A Treasury of True Stories. We'll be back. back you've got living writers i'm t hetzel and today on the program steve hughes thanks again to the liz for engineering yay and and, a, and a, uh i can't even say it because i miss brian so much if you're listening brian in buffalo we miss you here at wcbn um we miss you brian <laughs> we do you would have liked brian he was the former engineer here for the show and dj blackout so many hats that he wore here Okay, speaking of hats, I like your red, red one. Thank They're you. Very festive and very Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> it's
1: for Christmas. I wear this red hat.
0: <laughs> is it?
1: No, it's because <laughs> um, I was working outside and my hair is probably pretty silly looking. So I put the hat on when I went to work this morning, and it just stayed on.
0: Do you, do you, uh, for the best, no doubt, that's why mine is for in the, the ponytail. Yeah. Um, do you, so do you ever miss uh, Ann Arbor or do you get back here a lot? To you know, see? it's funny
1: that I really don't miss Ann Arbor at all. I really am super happy to live in Detroit and in Hamtramck. And uh, I think that it is in many ways. I mean, I, I think WCBN is a pretty fucking Excuse me, did I say... La,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, la, 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 a quick commercial interruption. This is brought to you by Stupor, treasury of true stories, um, I mean, which include a lot about beer and other things. <laughs> yeah,
1: CBN is a great thing, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not really familiar with all the great things going on in Ann Arbor. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a lot of great things going on here that I'm just, I don't know about. But the way him, I see it, him, there's him a lot of... It
0: sounds like a, a wonderful place, like your, your neighborhood... Your community.
1: Yeah, the great thing about being out there is, of course, you can buy a house for so cheap. You know, like uh, I bought a house for $7,000 and it's a nice house. Yeah, so, you know, so why would you live anywhere else? I don't know. Because we got really good grocery stores, you know, like meat markets and donut shops and Polish restaurants and Bangladeshi restaurants. And tons of art
0: galleries.
1: Well, we have three good oh, three. ones, okay. yeah, and then we have a like artist community in the north side of town, where just like tons of artists are moving in and buying up the cheap houses, five hundred bucks, you know, a friend of mine just bought one for five hundred bucks, so yeah,' a lot ha- of great stuff going on.
0: you mentioned that you are actually very handy though, and do you have to be handy then to actually make it work, like know how to build and know no, how to
1: you don't have to know how, but Maybe you, you can- um have to have the desire to make it work, you know? And so, you know, I didn't know how to build when I was living in Ann Arbor. But now that I live in Detroit, well, I do, but I also didn't know how to fix cars when I lived in Ann Arbor. And then I started going to Washington and how to learn how. So, you know, figure it out and do it. It's kind of like doing the zine, too. Figure it out, do it, you know?
0: So this zine, you are going to keep the zines alive. And is, when... Who is your zine community right now? When you are making them, it, do you still feel that energy from other places where people are like, and here's a copy of my zine? Or what's happening with that now?
1: No, I, I'm not really like, I don't really feel like I'm in a zine community anymore. Like what I do is more connected to an arts community. And so like that is, you know, I'm, I'm really well connected to a lot of artists. And I'm connected through the gallery and then also through Stupor. And um, and then just that one artist who does the zines, and Lisa Ann Arbach, she still does zines, so I'm still connected to her. But you know, I, I don't really read a lot of zines, other zines. Um, and uh, really, I just—it's just a format that I use to to you know express myself. Still, you know, it's just like you figure out how you want to get your word out, get your writing out, and this turned into it for me you know
0: do you think Stuper house publishing will have another day in this like or is that was it this for this particular i don't know book?
1: if i'm gonna do another book um on my own or if i'm gonna get somebody else to publish it next time um i would i really do i mean you saw like my video i have a stack of boxes in my office a tower a tower it's pretty <laughs> substantial yeah and that's what i showed you yeah, there's more under my table and there's under my copy machine so i've got a lot of boxes of books and which is also part of the reason for that kickstarter project i'm getting rid of books through that you know i'm getting the word out i have a book finding home yeah yeah it needs to find a home so that's work so if i could find a publisher for the next one which i think it'll be easier the next one because um you know i'm working with more established artists and i'm I've already got one book I can show them and say, hey, look at this, you know?
0: Yeah, so self-publishing, that was sort of a almost, it seems like an, an, it was what had to happen with the zine project and the, the ethos like of it, like the spirit of it. But there is that thing that you alluded to earlier when we went to break about, sometimes with the self-publishing, then sometimes there's one layer of that where it's like this, you know, this person has self-published a book and you are proud of them, but maybe it's not like... It's the,
1: totally different in the publishing world, yeah. in the book publishing world. I was
0: really, I was struggling there. No, it
1: totally is because they're like, oh, if you self-publish a book... Then they're like, oh, you haven't paid your dues. Right. It's sort
0: of like there's... You
1: haven't been published in this and this and this. Because you haven't been vetted
0: by people that might even... Like, who are they to say sometimes, right?
1: Who are they? Well, you know, like, but the route I went, okay, so I did my own thing. I did it in stupor instead of, like, publishing it through whatever. But now, like, um, I got an email from Lynn Tillman. Are you familiar with Lynn Tillman? So, okay, so she's a, a fiction writer in, in New York and teaches at Harvard or whatever. And she was on the panel for the Kresge Fellows, you know. So she was one of the people that selected me to be in, on the Kresge or get a fellowship. And uh, so she sent me an email and asked me if, to send her a story for Fence, which is a pretty well-known literary journal. So, so now I'm going to be in fence coming up. So it was one of my stupor stories. So stupor's going to be in fence. So I sort of like circumnavigated the normal route and, but I'm still there maybe by accident, but I'm still there. Yeah. You
0: know? Well, maybe that's how. I'm pleased
1: to be there too. I'm not being a jerk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or no, you know, I'm not like putting my nose in the air. It's good to be there.
0: Right. There's no. But maybe there shouldn't be like, there's no reverse disdain from you, but maybe there shouldn't be any disdain coming the other way ever either. Because I think sometimes people, if you can find a way to make it happen and publish it and do it yourself, then that's all the better.
1: Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it's super good to do it yourself because then it's, I mean, no matter what you've accomplished something, you got something in your hand there, you pass it out to your friends Maybe they pass it to their friends. Maybe you just, like, leave it in, you know, on the top of toilets someplace. But somebody's going to find them and read them, Or you cigarette
0: know? machines or or counter gotta, power tops. Yeah. I probably
1: have a bigger audience with stupor than I'll ever have in, with what comes out of Fence, you know? That's my guess. You know, like, people people read it. People know it. I don't know what's going to—actually, I don't actually I don't know what Fence's readership is,
0: but, you know. probably As far as literary journals go, probably pretty big. Is it pretty big? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> but, so that's it. Yeah. So congratulations for, for that that yeah, placement thanks. too. Let's hear another. Let's hear another piece.
1: All right. So this is um, from a, a perspective of a female who's um, living in Novi. Every Friday since my divorce, I like to get a treat for me and the girls because my gosh. Let's all take a big breath. We have made it through another week. So I take them to McDonald's for lunch. I usually order McNuggets for the girls and a chicken sandwich for myself. It's sad, but I quit eating red meat because of mad cow disease. But chicken is good because, of course, nobody eats chicken brains. Not even chickens eat chicken brains. In fact, I think they make them without brains now. I just can't imagine getting Alzheimer's or Cranes or Crohn's or Crustacean's disease or whatever it is, and then going nuts and having tubes crammed up my nose and my mouth and having needles stuck in my arms dripping sugar water into my blood and having to wear big hospital bibs and slobbering all the time and just getting so messed up that I could barely even wipe my own butt anymore. Damn it. I think it's safe to say that I've wiped my share of butts in this world. (laughs) If I ever get old and my brain turns to a gray, junky jelly and I can't pay attention to personal hygiene, well, I'm not going to feel bad about having some young nurse clean me up. Hopefully, (laughs) a nicely groomed, muscular, healthy, Sean Connery-type nurse with a broad, hairy chest and tight, round buttocks and thick, thumping veins that rise right out of his arms. I need a man who would be good at doing the real work of the world, wiping butts, that is. That's part of the deal. Nobody signs up to wipe butts, but at some point we all gotta do it. But you get so you think nothing of it. It just becomes part of your day, like waking up, like brushing your teeth or putting on deodorant. Front to back, I'd remind him. Front to back, just like I remind my girls. Then after he's got me good, I'll say it again. Only this time, do with a little more emphasis on the front. Do it like you mean it. Get rid of that floppy, effing wet wipe, Sean Connery. Come on with these, those strong, capable fingers. Flip me over. Take me to heaven, for God's sakes. And when you're done, how about we yank out my feeding tube and throw my IV bag out the window and sit on a balcony overlooking the city. And maybe we'll unwrap a couple of juicy Big Macs and enjoy the tangy, special sauce. The lettuce, the cheese, the pickles, the onions, and the very soft sesame seed bun. Why not? Once you get to a certain age, it doesn't matter what you do or what you eat. But now it's not like that. Now I've got the kids to think about and an ex-husband to hate. I'm not a decrepit old smelly person yet. I'm still full of all sorts of energy. And I'm doing my best to keep everybody safe and keep them happy, even if it kills me. And it may. I just hope if I do go crazy one day that my girls will understand that, yes, I did my best. That should have been good enough.
0: Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. I loved it.
1: I had a blast.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You've been listening to Living Writers. Today on the program, Steve Hughes, his book, Stupor, A Treasury of True Stories. Um, hello, and thank you also to Rachel Harkai for um, connecting Steve and I. Thanks again to the Liz, and thanks to you all for listening. Oh, and don't forget a uh, public pool this Saturday um, in Hamtramck. Thanks. Until next time. Thank you. Haifa. <laughs> <High five. laughs> Gum, 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 O que me faz bem estar nos cantos, pra onde pende meu corpo, ye-e-e-re. O que
1: me faz bem estar, o que me faz bem está, nos cantos, pra onde pende meu corpo, ye-e-re. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, December 14th, 2011. In Los
0: Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, the House debates a defense bill with provisions on detainees. And the Senate continues its wrangling over the payroll tax cut measure. A federal judge blocks part of Alabama's anti-immigrant law, calling it discriminatory. And we'll go to Colorado, where growing concern over hydraulic
1: fracking prompts community action. Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. Striking workers at the Freeport McMoran Mine have reached an agreement with mine owners after three months of protests and violence around the mine site. A union leader told the AP that the company has agreed to a 37% wage increase over two years. The company will also increase benefits. Freeport is an Arizona-based company. Nine people were killed during the strike, and many blame part of the violence on Indonesian security forces being paid off by the mining company. The surviving South Korean victims of forced prostitution during the Second World War marked a milestone today. They held their 1,000th protest, calling on Japan for an official apology. FSRN reporter Jason Struther in Seoul.